millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome along to Eurosport's very own snooker podcast, The Break, with me, Andy Goldstein. And of course, we are up and running in Sheffield now. And as the tournament progresses, we'll have more podcasts for you to listen to. And as usual, you'll be able to download this and other podcasts from your favourite podcast platforms. Now, coming up later in this episode, I'll be chatting with the one and only Jimmy White and Neil Folds, or two and only. But first up, I'm delighted to be joined by former Masters champion, the wonderful Mark Allen. Mark, good to speak to you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm very well. I'm loving the snooker at the moment, which we'll get to in a moment. But yeah, yeah. Um, first, let's talk about you and your match yesterday, which you, you came through relatively easy. It looked on paper. How did it feel out there? Uh, obviously, the early match nerves, but settled quickly with 139 in the first frame. And as the match went on, I think it was pretty steady. The damage was done in the first session and he didn't offer much in the way of scoring, which obviously is a good thing for me. Uh, he didn't look overly confident, so uh, a relatively easy win. What was it like playing in front of fans again? Did you walk out and just go, what are all these things sitting <laughs> in the seats? What's all that about? Yeah, it's been a strange year and it hasn't been a lot of fun playing behind closed doors for the last 12 months. So it's good to have those fans back. You know, obviously we miss playing in front of packed arenas and they add to the atmosphere, they add to the drama. And it's, yeah, it's good to have them back. Hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Yeah, I was going to say that actually. Hopefully it is a sign of things to come. And, you know, the dark days are all behind us. How, when you look back at uh, the season, a very strange season, not just for snooker players, but of course for everyone in any sport, how have you coped with it? Are you sort of through it now? Was it a difficult time for you? Uh, I think at the start, it was easy because everyone was locked in. You had no choice as sort of parts of the restrictions have been lifted. It's got a little bit tougher because different places are doing different things and you're looking at them going, I wish I was doing that. And they're probably looking at us in some ways thinking, I wish I was doing what they're doing. And to be honest, it's been not much of an effect to me in a practice sense because I've still been able to uh, get the keys from the owner of the club and you know, go in and do my work on the practice table it hasn't affected me in that regard but even travel restrictions have been tough you know the flights have been extremely limited and just not doing the simple things like seeing your family and friends as, as much as normal and you know giving your mum and dad a hug you know just those little things that you really really miss mm. I, I don't ever think you could have an added incentive at the world championships but of course the deeper you go in the competition the more people are allowed to turn up. I think for the semifinals, we'll get 75% capacity. And I think for the final, 100%. Is that in your thought process at all? I, I'm aware of it, but it's not It's not something you're thinking of. No, you you just try and win your matches and whatever happens, happens. Those sort of things are out of, out of our control because you don't know what is around the corner. I know there could be different restrictions put in place tomorrow that might say you're not allowed to cry again. So 
we just have to be thankful of the ones that are there. And if it grows and grows as the tournament goes on, then all, all well and good. Okay. Well, you're certainly still in the tournament into the second round now, best of 25, first of 13. How much of a difference does that make? Because, of course, they're all long formats anyway, even the first round being a best of 19. But first of 13 now, what does that mean? Yeah, it's obviously three sessions and my match is actually over three days. So it's a long, long time to sort of have to ponder things. But yeah, it's what you come to expect with Sheffield. It's a long, grueling 17 days if you're going to do well. And you know, you're going to have to come through some tough sessions on tough days. And, you know, best of 25 second round match and quarterfinals. You no, know, it's, it's a long slog, but it's worth the reward at the end of it all if you do well. Tell me, tell me a bit about your form coming into it because... Uh... Listen, I know how, how much of a great player you are. I'm one of your biggest fans. I love watching you, especially around the black spot. You know, your touch is phenomenal. Do you come into this tournament under the radar a bit, do you think? Yeah, I think uh, a bit is an understatement. <laughs> I've had zero form you know, since the turn of the year. I've been very, very poor in all the ranking tournaments. and Yeah, I've, just, I've been practicing really hard and working on the right things and on the practice table. It just hasn't really clicked yet. Uh, I'm probably coming in here with no expectation uh, from myself and from other people, but maybe that can help, you know, take a bit of pressure off. I've come in here many years on the back of tournament wins or really good form uh, and not done anything. So hopefully this year be different. Why do you think, because you've got everything, your game's got absolutely everything. Why do you think you've not necessarily had a, a great time at the Crucible previously? Your best result was, I think, 2009. You got to the last four. Now, someone with your form, that's just ridiculous. Why is that? Uh, if I knew, I would change it. Uh, I think the bottom line is you get one crack at this every year. Uh, and unfortunately, I just haven't been good enough. That, that is the bottom line. I know I've got the game to win here. I've won all the bigger tournaments you know, that the game has to offer. And you know, this one's definitely missing off my CV. But the, the pressure that comes with only getting one chance a year, you know, it's like the golfers, the, they only get one chance a year to win the Masters. You've seen that with McElroy. Uh, and I'm no different coming to Sheffield every year. It's just one of them things. The likes of O'Sullivan and Higgins over the years have made winning here look very easy. It's not. It's funny you mentioned O'Sullivan, you mentioned Higgins. Um, listen, we know all about Ronnie, of course, defending champion. We saw John get back to his best this season, which a lot of people maybe thought was never going to happen. We know how good Neil Robertson is at the moment. He's just absolutely flying. You've got Judge, you've got yourself. Um, there's very little travelling for snooker players at the moment because everyone seems to just be travelling to one place. There's no jet lag. Usually you come into this on the back of being in Asia and it's quite difficult to catch up, etc. Do you think that this is probably one of the most difficult world championships to pre- predict the winner because everyone seems to be playing so well at the moment? I think there's a lot of players that have a chance, but obviously you have to look towards the likes of O'Sullivan, Robertson and Trump. They've been the foreign players of the year. Uh, but you can't discount the likes of Selby. Higgins and probably a handful of others but yeah it's going to be all about the big three really uh, with given their record this year and you of course include yourself in that conversation yeah well, look, well I, I feel like I've got the game to win but no mm. on, on paper you probably not many people are probably looking outside of those three well thankfully it's not played on paper absolutely um, what, what, what did you make of Judd's comment um, about the game being stuck in the past what did you make of that Mark yeah, I get where he comes from when he says a lot of his things. Uh, I read that interview. I thought it was a very good piece. Uh, not entirely sure how some of the changes could be implemented. I think Snooker's in a great uh, position at the minute. I think Barry's done an unbelievable job. But trying to modernise it to you know, bring in younger viewers, I think, is what is needed. Uh, you look at every other sport, you, you know, young ones can look at the people on TV and say, 
I'd love to have what they're wearing or what they're using. And unfortunately, Snickers not really like that. I think that's something that could change, definitely. Okay, so you're talking about the attire. At the moment, people usually wear waistcoats. Some, of course, there are events where you just wear the black shirt. Uh, in the snooker shootout, it's more of a, like a polo shirt. For a, what would you like? Let's let's talk about the biggest event, the World Championship. In fact, let's talk about the three biggest: the Masters, the World Championships, and the UK Championships. What would you like to see players wearing in that? Then uh, you could maybe have the, the three majors kept traditionally and keep it the way it is. And for the other tournaments, I think the shootout is a great example. The players are just so much more relaxed, and the standard of snooker, I think, when you are, when you are relaxed, is will go up. Uh, probably polo t-shirts is more than enough and at least then you know, if people wanted to wear just for example nice watches or have good tattoos on their on their arms and people can say oh, I'd love to have that you know, at, at the minute we're just stifled in what we can do and I'd be pretty confident in saying that no one enjoys playing in a bow tie and a waistcoat Are you saying that some kids watching might look at Mark Williams's arm and think I want an arm covered in tattoos like that? I think it'd be quite cool it's the way the world is right now you know, people are going for all these sleeve looks and no fancy watches for their Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's just the way of the world. And I think Snooker needs to branch out. What about jeans, black jeans? Can you see a day where players are walking around the table in jeans? Uh, I hope not, because I obviously detest wearing jeans. But uh, <laughs> maybe going down that road, make it a bit more casual, might appeal to a lot of people. I can see you walking around the table at the Crucible in a onesie. Will that ever happen? There's more chance of wearing a onesie than a pair of skinny <laughs> jeans, I'll tell you that. All right, well, listen, let me ask you then about... Um, Wild cards. I know you've been quite outspoken about that in the past. Do you still stand by what you said? Yeah, absolutely. And like I've said it as I sort of said my initial statement about no, not being a fan of them. It wasn't a personal dig at Jimmy or Rianne or on ye. It's just about wild cards in general. I think uh, they cause too much controversy, which you've obviously seen with the, the backlash that I and with some others have received. Uh, it just it's so much of a grey area. There's, there should be a black and white criteria of how to get on tour. And, you know, wild cards just lend itself to a lot of controversy. What about, let's take for argument, well, I won't name names, but there are some players that, of course, have been around the block many times and done so much for snooker. You obviously know what I'm talking about. Do you think it goes without saying that those sort of players should always have a wild card? They're always welcome to play in the game? Because you could argue this goes against then um, trying to suit the game for a younger audience if you're still letting the, the oldies play with the youngies as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, and like I'm a great fan of reputation and what I appreciate what people have done for the game in the past. Uh, maybe they could look at along the lines of what the golf do. If you know if you're a previous winner of the Masters, you get into the Masters for life. You no, know, they could do something along those lines. You know, give a lifetime exemption for like the World Championships or UK Championships. Things like that, but I, I just think uh, wild card for the whole tour just isn't quite fair. Uh, let me ask you uh, the latest news this week um, surrounding snooker. One of the big stories is, of course, Barry Hearn is standing down. We've been talking about how snooker's changed over the last decade or so. Uh, a lot of that, if not all of it, is down to the changes Barry Hearn has made. Um, you're obviously a big fan of his and the difference he's made to the sport since he's come back into it. Yeah, it's phenomenal the changes that he's made in 10 years. Uh, looking back now, it's a scary thought as to where we could be without him. No, six or seven tournaments uh, the, the, just before Barry took over. Uh, we didn't feel like snooker players were, were part-timers. No big gaps between events. It was it was hard to remain disciplined. Uh, Barry's turned us into full-time players. The earning potential that we have now, if you're doing well, it's phenomenal. It's through the roof. And he's been extremely in- innovative to get new events 
obviously we're on the back of some major events in China and Saudi Arabia has been confirmed. Obviously COVID has put a halt to that, but yeah, I think the things that have been done in snooker, I don't think anyone else could have done, but Barry. Okay. Listen, before I let you go, just so people are aware of when we record this. So you played last night, it's Wednesday now. So um, what are you going to be doing in your spare time? How often are you allowed to get on the practice table? Are you staying up in Sheffield? Just tell me a bit more about your week that's coming up. Yeah, well, so it's a long gap for me. I've, I don't play till Saturday now, uh, but not enough time to fly home and have to get you know, prepared and then fly back again. It's, so it'll be a few days chilling out with uh, my mate Kyle. Uh, I'll practices as much as I can get within the restrictions. I think you're only allowed two a day within reason. If, if, if they're quiet behind the scenes, they'll maybe give you a bit extra. And just take advantage of some of the restaurants being open. No, obviously in Northern Ireland, the restrictions haven't been lifted to the same extent as England right now. And maybe make the most of that and have a nice set in meal somewhere. Are you mixing with other players when you're not playing? We're not, actually not allowed to. Uh, it would be great if we could socialise you know, and have a drink and go for a meal, but unfortunately we're not allowed to do that at the minute. But, I'm, but stuck, you I'm can, stuck with Kyle. You can, <laughs> you can, you can I, I think I'm right saying, you can venture out to a restaurant and sit outside, is that right? We can, but we wouldn't be allowed to do that with another player. Right, okay. So, so, restrictions. So I, I read, of course, Ronnie was saying that you know he, he was out and a couple of idiots came up to him wanted pictures, you know, which I understand is very famous. You're very famous. People want to be seen with you and have pictures. You mentioned selfies and Insta and so on. How how difficult, how worrying is that? Because, of course, you know, you don't want to be rude to people and say, go away. But at the same time, if someone does come up close and, God forbid, you catch any kind of, you know, COVID or whatever, you've got to be, re- you might be thrown out of the tournament. So h- how is that difficult to juggle? Yeah, unfortunately, you have to look at the bigger picture and say that we're here to do our job and we're getting tested every round. So you have to be very, very careful. Uh, for the first time in my life, I had actually turned down a photo and an autograph yesterday. And it's just because you can't be too careful. No, you have to take this uh, with the seriousness it deserves. And I can completely understand where Ronnie comes from because not only do you want to go out and enjoy your meal in peace, but you have to appreciate the restrictions that are in place and the guidelines that we as sticker players have to follow. Yeah. Have you ever thought about maybe putting a disguise on? I know Ronnie's talked about (laughs) Maybe put a Ronnie O'Sullivan mask on, that would be worse, wouldn't it? No, that would be um, worse. No one but, wants but that. How do you deal with it then? Do you are you going out less? Are you staying in your hotel room? Because of course, you know, the last thing you want is to be tested and get a positive test and then be kicked out of the tournament. That would just be horrific. Yeah, well, we got here Saturday and no I haven't been out anywhere. Uh I went wow. to went to Tesco to get some shopping for our apartment and we haven't been out anywhere. I think we'll probably try and venture out to get a meal somewhere tonight. Uh but you have to just be very, very careful and keep your distance. Do you think that the deeper people get into this competition, the less they, they will just stay in their room. Because, of course, if you're down to the last four, or even, dare I say, the final, you know, you surely can't even risk going out to nab something from Tesco, can you? Yeah, well, that's it. You maybe have to send out for it, or I don't know how that'll work, but you have to be just ridiculously careful. I think Ronnie said that he didn't want to have to get tested for the quarterfinal and have to pull out. It would be devastating. But, yeah, it's just a sign of the times, unfortunately. We have to just try and make the best of a bad situation. Listen, um, I really appreciate your time. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. I love watching you play. Before I let you go, uh, Mark Williams, of course, famously said that if he won the world title, which he did, he'd do the press conference afterwards naked, right? Would you do? Would you promise me something, that if you win the world championships, you'll do it in a tight pair of jeans? Oh, I'd rather go naked, to be honest. <laughs> no, I, I want to see you in a tight pair. Come on, just give me that now. If you win the world right, title, you'll do I'll, the- I'll go skinny jeans if I win the world championships I'll give you that yeah and, and big Chelsea boots so skinny jeans and a big black oh Chelsea boots oh my god boot. you're going to get me in trouble yeah, yeah I'll do it you, you promise I promise
Okay. <laughs> Do you know what? I so hope you win the world championship <laughs> now. <laughs> Listen, a real pleasure. Good luck Cheers, with the rest Andrew. of the competition. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers, pal. And a big thanks, as always, to Mark Allen. Right, it's time now to look back on some of the drama that we've seen so far and preview what's to come. And I'm delighted to be joined by Eurosport pundits, legends, former world number three, Neil Folds, and, of course, the whirlwind, Jimmy White. Jimmy, good to speak to you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Yourself? I'm good, thanks. And, Neil, lovely to see you. You look wonderful, as always. Yeah, thank you. You okay? I'm good. I'm very. I'm loving the snooker. I'm absolutely loving it, which we'll get to in a minute. But Jimmy, this is the first time we've spoken to you, of course, since you played Stephen Hendry and uh, annoyingly lost in the first qualifying round of the World Championships. What happened? What went wrong for you that day? Um, it, you know, it, it started off um, it's sort of a little bit scrappy, and I didn't really get going. And um, you know, Stephen didn't really get going either but he just putted the more important balls than me he was more sort of settled you know I think I sort of um, lost the plot a little bit you know I didn't um, you know I didn't sort of get my disciplines together that I've been working on and you know I got more under it and sort of collapsed like a cheap tent in the end now, That ultimately meant you, you fell off the tour but you've got your wild card again to, to carry on playing you must be delighted with that Jim yeah, I hit a bit of form in Gibraltar. There was a chance that um, I might have stayed on anyway, but the results went against me. But no, I'm absolutely delighted to get the wild card and uh, give it another go for two years. Good. Well, I'm pleased you are. Uh, Neil, listen, let's concentrate now on what we've seen so far at the Crucible. I'm really enjoying um, the level of snooker and the excitement I've seen so far. You must be feeling exactly the same. Yeah, I think um, you get into such a habit, and all snooker fans do, you tune in at 10 o'clock in the morning on Eurosport, watch the first match, watch the afternoon matches, and at night we've got the whole show to look forward to. So um, I think you get a chance to see all different matches, different kind of matches, for instance, quite embroiled in the Sam Craigie-Mark Williams match, you know, uh, earlier on. And it's such a contrast, what players are going to be like at the Crucible for the first time, and also... You know, you just get one crack at this, don't you? Like every year, if you're a leading player to, to be world champion. So the first round is what everyone wants to get through because they want to get into the longer matches. I think that's the key, getting through this one game. Then you get into the 25s. I think you're happier as a player then because you know you've got a proper game of snooker and the best player will win. Yeah, I'm going to ask you both about some of the matches we've seen before we look ahead to matches that could be coming our way. But first, Jimmy, before I do that, what have you made of the tournament so far and how great is it to have actual real humans sat there watching? Listen, it's amazing just being it, being coming to the venue from the hotel. You know, you meet a few fans. are just so delighted to be in there. And okay, it's only a third full most of the games, but that creates a little bit of atmosphere. Live sport without an out of an audience is just not the same. So it's great to see the fans back. Yeah, and we've had drama already a couple of times. Now I wonder how much of that is down to fans being sat in there watching um, and they would have been delighted if they'd have had a ticket for the Ali Carter-Jack Lazowski match because that was just sublime, wasn't it? Uh, well, yeah, that was a terrific game. I mean, we've had a couple of 10-9s. They're always, you know, exciting and um, I've got nothing against Ali. I was actually pleased to see Jack Lazowski get through just for the for snooker's sake, you know. I mean, Ali Carter's a great Crucible player, two finals, but Jack Lazowski, he's got a good record. He's never won anything, but he's been in three finals. But one thing he's hardly ever done is win here. It's only the second match he's ever won at the Crucible, you know, and now he's in the longer matches. And um, he's somebody that we wanted to do well. People keep talking about him as a youngster, but 
Stephen Henry won six world titles at the same age. You know, he's not that young, but he is uh, still progressing nicely and he's a lovely lad. And uh, if, if I could pick somebody dispassionately to go and lift the title, I'd love to see him do it. But I think that's a long way away from happening, actually. Yeah, Jimmy, what did you make of his performance? That last frame where he knocked in that long red and then held himself together. I, th- I wondered how much of the season could have taken a, a toll on him mentally when you get into maybe a deciding frame. But you could argue it maybe it helped his game in the end. He's not great over long matches, but this season, you know, he's got to three finals. Okay, he's been beaten by Trump, but he's beaten Selby over a distance. He looked quite composed, you know, and that long red, you know, it's just pure talent. You know, that shot had to be struck perfect with perfect timing. And uh, if it goes in, he's on the black and he went on to win the frame, more more or less win the match from it. You know, he did break down in the end, but, you know, he's a fantastic talent and he started to come of age now. He's enjoying winning. and. once he, once he gets to a realisation how good he is, he will win tournaments for sure. His next opponent is Neil Robertson, Neil, um, in round two. I mean, what a match that's going to be. I suppose we're going to find out just how good and maybe how far Jack can go in the competition. That's very true, because um, Robertson, albeit not since he won the, you know, the World Championship, his track record in this event has not been great either, but you know, he's only made one semi-final since he won it 11 years ago. But yeah, playing him... For, for Jack Lazowski is the toughest game that he's that he's probably had here since John Higgins beat him 13-1 the other time he got to this round, you know. Uh, the, what I want to see with Jack, right, is, and, he, and funny enough, when he came in yesterday, I did a thing on the screen with him. When he wins, he's never elated. And when he loses, he's never really disappointed. He's somewhere in between all the time. I want to see someone when they win, they're absolutely buzzing, they're high on life. And when they lose, they're really really disappointed with him it's everything's in between there somewhere which is okay but it's almost like he's a bit bit frightened to be too disappointed when he loses he lost a decider last year to McGill and he seemed okay when he walked off off half whistling a tune there's nothing wrong with being disappointed when you win nothing being wrong with being sort of delighted when you win but this is a big test you're absolutely right you know playing Robertson you're not gonna you're not gonna get lucky and win over 25 frames he's gonna have to play well and I think Jimmy summed it up yesterday when we spoke about this match uh, on, the, on the show that he's got to just break it down into small little sections. Don't think about the winning line. Think about the next four frames. Keep doing it like that. Think of, just imagine you're playing in G- the Gibraltar where every match is best of seven. Treat it like a series of best of sevens and try and get to 13 before Robertson, which is going to be a tough call. Uh, Jimmy, what did you make of Neil's performance in that first round? Because he, he spoke to us on the podcast. He says he's going to play matches now on his terms. It's a tough game against Jack, but if he wins that, potentially could play the um, Hawkins or Kyron Wilson in the quarterfinals. This this is why I think Jack's got a chance because Neil Robertson last year coming into the World Championship and the year before was well fancied to win the tournament on form. And he lost to John Higgins, um, 13-11. And then he played Mark Selby last year and he lost 13-7. He tried to play Mark Selby at his game, like, you know, um, sort of granite style play. And he lost all his rhythm. And he publicly turned around and said, I'm not going to play that way anymore because it's not my natural instinct. It's to part a ball, get in and clear up. Now, if he plays like that, which is his natural game, which, you know, with the way he played against O'Sullivan from four each, one, 10, four. Jack Lithowski, I think, will have a chance because he will get more chances. But Neil Robertson has given Jack quite a few beatings. So it's, for me, it's important he gets off to a good start. 
Uh, Neil, of course, so Jack Lazowski beat Ali Carter. I think one of two qualifiers that no one really wanted to draw, the other one being Stuart Bingham, who, of course, beat Ding Junhui um, very recently. Um, I just wonder, when you, you look at Dean, when he first came on the scene, everyone said it was just a question of when or if he becomes world champion. He, as I said, lost out to Stuart Bingham. It's, what, I think five years since he lost to Selby in the final in Sheffield. Do you feel like his chances of winning the world title are now over? I do. Uh, I mean, the point is, if you, you can look at snooker and say that there's guys over 40 that will become world champion. You know, you, we've seen Nick Higgins over 40 get into three of the last four finals. And Williams win over 40. O'Sullivan win a few, uh, recently over 40, the oldest since Ray Reardon. But in the case of Ding, it's a bit like, a, he's got a lot of miles on the clock, you know. He turned professional so young and he's been around so long. And which cliche do you want to use? The, the ship has sailed, the bird has flown. I think maybe his chances of becoming a world champion are gone now. Um, because I'm not sure he's got the hunger for it. If, if I'm wrong, I'll be absolutely delighted. But I think there will be a Chinese world champion inside the next 10 years. It could be Ding, it could be Yan Bingtao, it could be Zhou Yulong or someone like that, or it could be a Chinese player we haven't seen yet coming through from a very young age. But I get the feeling Ding's chances might have gone. He's been in the final and uh, he doesn't look ready to win it again for me, but... That, that's how things stand right now. Maybe in a year or two, it'll look different. Jimmy, uh, Neil mentioned Yan Bing Tao, of course, Masters champion. Is he now, in your eyes, the top Chinese player on the tour? Um, well, he seems to be the one that um, wins. You know, he, he seems to be very consistent, very focused. You know, I can't sort of make him out as a player. For me, sometimes he looks that uh, he plays strange sort of shot selections, but he gets the job done, you know, and he's um, very focused. So at the moment, um, he's the only Chinese guy left in the tournament. So he's definitely playing the best at the moment. Uh, let's go back to Stuart Bingham then, because of course he now plays after that victory, Jamie Jones in the next round. That's a real great opportunity for both players, isn't it, Neil? Yeah, and the irony is at this stage, and we don't know the rest of the first round who's going to get through, at this stage, they're the only two qualifiers to get through and they're playing each other. I know with Bingham, you don't really think of him as a qualifier, but that, you know, he did have to and he was outside the 16. So one of those two's got a great chance. I'm not writing off Jamie Jones there, you know, but I tell you what, he, he's here on a bit of a mission. You know, he had a suspension from the game and I think the second coming for him, he's taking everything uh, in his stride and he's in, enjoying being back at the Crucible. He was in tears when he qualified. So this is kind of, okay, whatever happened before, he's gone, he served his punishment, and now he's pleased to be a snooker player. And I'll tell you what, the way he played against Maguire, it's not out of the question that he could beat Bingham, actually, because uh, he's a former quarter-finalist here, uh, going back a long time now. So, you know, he's, he's, got it, he's got it in his game to do it, and um, he's up for none a little bit. Jimmy, um, you mentioned John Higgins. He said he felt enormous pressures at times against Tian Pengfei, even struggled to breathe as well. What did you make of those comments? Well, it just shows how human, you know, he is and uh, how much it means to him. It's a bit like Ronnie O'Sullivan in his first round, the first four frames. You know, he couldn't hit the right side of the ball and that's so unusual for someone of um, Ronnie O'Sullivan's statue. And the same happened with John Higgins. He was really struggling. But somewhere from 7-4 down, He's found a way to win. That's why he's a great champion and you can never write John Higgins off. Uh, Neil, we should talk a bit about Ronnie O'Sullivan. Firstly, what did you make of his performance in that first round? Jimmy alluded to it just briefly. Also faces Anthony McGill in round two. How tough a test would that be? And do you think the ghosts of last year have maybe been put to bed after McGill has won his first round match? 
uh, interesting. The first part of that I'll deal with first. I thought the first session Ronnie looked like. Well, how can Ronnie win the championship? I know you don't you don't sort of win it on the first morning, but he was very poor. But the memory you take out of that match is that he finished with three centuries back to back. It's the eighth time that's ever happened at the Crucible. And Ronnie's done it before. Funnily enough, the time he did it before, he made five in the match, which he lost to David Gray. So he's had three on the bounce before. And, and that's what he needs to take out of the match. As far as McGill, he's got no record against O'Sullivan. Uh, six nil O'Sullivan in important matches. That's a, a big factor. And I, I remember one of the events, we asked him if he, how he fancied his match against Ronnie O'Sullivan. He goes, I said, I've got no chance. So he, he, doesn't, he doesn't talk the talk, you know what I mean? He, he's a good player. But what I will say about him, I think the Crucible, as we've seen, he does like the longer matches. You know, the last year, he was very unlucky not to be in a final. He beat Selby once at the Crucible when he was defending champion, over 25. So he's got the game, and you've got to have that solid Kyron Wilson, Barry Hawkins game that, that you can just keep coming out session by session. He's got that. But if Ronnie continues in the form he, he finished that match, and he, he'll probably just outgun him, really, and he'll be too strong. I don't know how well Ronnie is playing. He's not talking very confidently, you know, on about these Q actions again and all this stuff. But all I know is he finished with a spellbinding three centuries. He, at the end of the match, he looked like he couldn't miss the ball. So taking that forward, you know, he's got a great chance of winning. And, and that top half of the draw is well within his capabilities. Uh, Jimmy, of course, the guy who beat McGill in the semis last year, Kyron Wilson, in one of the most incredible matches we've ever seen at Sheffield, came back from 5-1 down to beat Gary Wilson. What did you make of his performance? He looked very sharp to me. Um, he, you know, he's always very, so he's got a great self-belief and he's always very confident, but his game, he looked very sharp. He didn't panic at all. And uh, Gary Wilson played okay in part, in that first part of the match, but uh, Karen was very solid. And uh, as soon as he got in front, there was only one winner. So, you know, he'd be full of confidence. Uh, Neil, when you look at Mark Allen's performance, of course, we've heard from on this podcast, he won 10-2, the complete opposite of, of Kyron Wilson's match. Do you think it's better to have a tough first round or it makes no difference? I think I think it probably makes no difference, but if I could choose, I think you're always better off to get a match you know, under, out of the way comfortably. You don't need any more examinations of your ability. I mean, there's so many, so much to, to, to go in this tournament, so many long matches. You know, I mean, you've got to win a, a couple of best of 25s now to get to the semis where it gets really long. So if you can breeze through a game, and that Luhu Shan, he's won a match here before. He beat um, Marco, Fu, uh, Marco Fu here a few years ago. So you know, he is a good player, but he, he started off with 139 break first visit to the table. You know, I, I think that if he can get into the second week and, and get through maybe another round, he could really start motoring because he is an awesome scorer. Uh, he's just got a poor record here. You know, it's 2009, the last time he got the semis of the year, he beat Ronnie. But I think for him to win a match easily has got to give him confidence, considering we, he's been so quiet for a few weeks now. We haven't really seen anything of him and since, well, last November when he won the Champion of Champions. You know? so, so he's kind of a, someone in the draw that's been lying a bit low. He could all of a sudden play brilliantly. Okay. And Jimmy, just a quick word about Judd. What have you made of his performance so far? One of the favourites? He looked, he looked uh, like he was queuing fantastic. You know, um, okay, there's a few balls missed, but um, he looks properly focused. He looks properly jockeying for his position, um, just doing enough what he has to do. And um, I like the way he was queuing for me. I think he's, he's going to take some beating this year. Okay, before I let you both go, um, Neil, I'll come to you. Who did you pick to win it at the start and have you changed your mind? 
I went with Judd. Um, he was my choice, and the outside bet was Mark Allen. Um, no, I think I, I don't see any reason to change that. I thought Judd had a very good draw down the bottom. I didn't necessarily fancy Ronnie so much this year. I tipped him last year. I think there's a few doubts about him. So I'm happy with Judd still and what I've seen. And um, certainly Mark Allen did nothing for me to change my mind. Starting off with a big century, um, I, I'm sticking with those two. Okay, Jimmy, who did you pick? Who did you fancy? Um, well, you know, Robertson is playing some huge stuff. You know, you could never write off O'Sullivan. You could never write off Higgins. But, you know, um, I think Trump uh, will take some beating. Okay. Uh, Neil, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. I, I love your work on the box as always, and I look forward to speaking to you very soon on another podcast. Thank you. Jimmy, I miss you. I, I feel like I need to hug you, but, you know, COVID prevents that and the fact that you're in Sheffield and I'm not also prevents it. But I miss you, Jim. God bless you. See you soon, pal. Well, that's it. That's sadly all we've got time for on today's show. Remember, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast on the platform of your choice if you can. We'd love you for it. I personally would love you even more than they would. And of course, don't forget Eurosport is the place to watch live coverage of the World Championship from now until Monday, the 3rd of May. And as usual, you can follow everything on eurosport.co.uk and of course the Eurosport app. We'll be back next week on another edition of The Break to see how the draw is shaping up. So from myself, it's goodbye and thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.